0: No, Ike's laughing at. Why are you laughing, Ike? Why are you laughing?
1: Why am I laughing? Yeah, you're because laughing at your us about conflict. Yeah, upgrade conflicts you have package conflicts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why is that I, funny? I'm the whole PC Master Race peasant laugh now because I don't have package conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> so for so, me, this is hilarious. This is all the reasons why Solus exists. How can Solus Do never have, have a package
0: stuff. conflict? How is that possible? How can you never because have a package? Because
1: nothing is allowed to conflict with another package in Solus. You have a single provider of a thing that does a thing. You don't have 15 different lip JPEG turbos or all alternate versions of them. You pick one and you build to use that. So... To me I find this hilarious. These are the problems that Sol was set out to solve. You bastard. So how how, how dare you? How dare I'm you? I'm enjoying this so much.
0: <laughs> the, the audacity right there. That's All right, so you're telling me, you're telling me that I never uh, 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 How can that be? How can you have a How can you ah uh, how can you have a diverse package then? How can you have all the kinds of applications I want and never run into conflicts? Simply the reason it just seems simply because uh, you At that at a certain point, at scale, you have so many different software developers that are targeting so many different libraries or certain dependencies that it's just unavoidable.
1: We don't let them in. Like, um, you know how for RPM packages you have, like, package config build dependencies? We have that in Solus as well. We only allow a single provider of a package config name in the repos. Like when we set out, this has been since day one. You may only have a single provider of a given soul name, a given provider of a package config name. It does not enter the repo. If it file conflicts or any any one of those issues, it's just not allowed to do it. For when we're renaming packages on an update, which we've done before, we have a mechanism called obsoletes. So the first thing that happens when you update is the obsolete package is automatically removed. If there's one that replaces it, that's set to replace it, and it's allowed to path conflict during that update. It's Hmm. already configured to handle that. So during that, it knows the other package is being removed, it knows this one is coming in, so it automatically ignores certain files while it's letting that happen, because only one package is allowed to provide those set of files, and it's set to replace it.
0: This is Linux Unplugged, episode 172 for November 22nd, 2016. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that might be slightly inebriated from some pre-recordings that were happening earlier today. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Wes, I cannot confirm nor deny these baseless claims by the chat room. Baseless. Come on, guys. No faith in us? Either way, Probably we are here. to know us too well. Mm. We've got a great episode lined up for you. Coming up on this week's episode of the show, our fresh impressions of Fedora 25 and the man steering that project, Mr. Matt, will join us to discuss the new release. Then later on in the show, we'll get an update from Ubicon. We'll talk about a new potential Linux appliance that could save the day. Then later on. Not only will we get the inside dope on how System76 got the Ubuntu desktop tweaked to support 4K, but let's discuss the modification. I'm using that. Strong Strong word. I'm coining that. But let's talk about the world where we have Surface Books, Surface Studios, MacBook Touch Bars, mobile tablets, the hardware, the software, the platform. It's all created by one vendor, and it's getting harder and harder to get Linux on these systems. What is the solution here? And is there a long-term problem as general x86 vendors become less and less incentivized to participate in the PC business? Is there going to be less and less hardware that Linux can run on out of the box? We'll discuss that and what some of the potential solutions could be for that. And then towards the end of the show, I want to talk about benchmarking the feel of it. I'm talking about that that feel when you drag the window across the screen. That feel when you're accessing files on your hard drive and loading programs, and you're still using your system and opening menus. The way it feels when a program launches and snaps up. How do you benchmark that feel? Well, Ike's joining us from the Solus project, and I get a good sense they think about the way things feel a lot. I get that feeling too. And so we'll get a little a little input from him and the rest of our virtual lug on how you benchmark the feel of something. Because I'll tell you what, Wes. In the back of my mind, I'm working on a project, I'm working on a long-term you project. You always are. So before we go any further, we got to do our duty. We got to bring in that mumble room. Time appropriate greetings, Virtual Lug. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello.
2: Hello. Hello. Hello.
0: I love that. Whoa. Jeez, that was a lot. Hello, guys. Jeez, I get back, and that, it is good. Uh, pff, it was good to I be. I think they missed you, too. It's good to be back because uh, when I was listening on the road, I wanted to constantly jump in. I was like, "Let me. I, I gotta. Oh wait, no, I can't." And I actually, I apologize. I did try to remote in. Only I was double natted and I did what I did what I never want people to do. And I connected in over a double NAT, and it sounded like crap. So I apologize to everybody for that. But you tried. I did want to give my input so yep. badly. Yep. It was painful, but it was also fun to listen to. Even though Noah sounded like a death warmed <laughs> over, it was pretty bad. But we have so much to get into, and I'm going to give a little plugsy. I digged, I was just telling Wes before the show started that I went down to Meet BSD because I've gone to a lot of uh, just, I don't know. All of the big Linux events that I kind of ever wanted to go to except – You've been there, seen that? Except for the ones that are outside the US. That's still on my mm. bucket list. But the ones inside the US, I, I've pretty much checked off all of those boxes and I've really gotten a feel for what it's like for community-run events and big commercial events and everything in between. And so I wanted to see what it was like when the BSD cousins got together. Oh, What is the other side like? And so – uh During last week, I was off in Berkeley, California, the home of BSD. I figured, like, if this was ever the time, go back to where BSD lives. See where BSD was born. See how the other side lives. Get experience in that. And I thought I'd go down there and I thought I'd create two videos. I thought I'd come back and in 172, you and I would be listening to a couple of BSD keynotes and Mm -hmm. we'd be discussing the things that the speaker said. Just a couple clips. Yeah. So I got down there and I thought, wow. Turns out I've got four videos. And then I got back and I said, wow, it turns out I have got six videos. I think I think on Sunday even on the Linux Action Show, I said, six videos are going to be released, one a day next, uh, starting the week after uh, Thanksgiving. And then now I'm sitting here on Tuesday. So just two days later, and I'm like, actually, I've got eight videos, eight videos that I'll be releasing on my personal channel because they're not all technical in nature. Sure. They're more like behind-the-scenes, Jupiter Broadcasting stuff, the experience, yeah. Uh, YouTube.com slash C slash Chris Fisher, that's my name. Uh, And uh, starting next Monday, I'll release one a day for, so far, eight days. I think I'm – I don't know. I'm going to see how far I can get. See when it stops, I got a lot more stuff shot because Noah was here in town and we were doing a bunch of stuff. So I just kept the cameras rolling when I got back. So uh, We'll see how far I get before I just get totally overwhelmed with uh, all the other work, but – That will start coming out uh, next week, youtube.com slash C slash Chris Fisher. That's my name if you want to see the videos from that. So it was a good experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, But let's talk about Linux. you want to talk about Linux, Wes? Yeah, always. Do you like talking about Linux? Because I thought maybe we could talk about Linux. Let's do it.
1: This is
3: CNN
0: Breaking News. As we record today's episode of the Unplugged program, Fedora 25 has been released. The latest – and greatest from the Fedora project. And the guy that runs that Fedora project is joining us. Matt, welcome back to Linux Unplugged. It's great to have you here. Thanks. It's great to be back. So first of all, before we go any further, congratulations on the new release. Always awesome to see a new Fedora released. And uh, I re- I know when I think of Fedora 25, what I think of is Wayland by default is that really what I should be thinking of? And what else are you thinking of when you think of specifically like the workstation release and some of the other versions?
4: Yeah. So I think Wayland by default is definitely the big story on the workstation release. That's something that the uh, graphics and desktop teams have been working to for a long time. So it's very cool to finally have that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, GNOME uh, 322 is a nice release as well. And I think there's kind of an understated story there as well, because uh, in the beginning of GNOME three, each update was kind of rough, as um, sort of the initial ideas of GNOME got, you know, GNOME three got kind of polished, and they hit the real world, yeah. and um, you know, kind of responded to feedback. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of gotten to where it's really gotten into its groove. And so one of the things one that we you know, kind of identified as a feature here is that your shell extensions are probably expected to just keep working now. If you have anything that like puts the top icons up on the bar, that's whatever. Great. Uh, because basically uh, it's um, the shell's not expected to change so much that it's gonna, it is likely to break those things. So Great. I, I'm excited about that as well. Yeah, and I feel
0: like uh, that has been getting better over the last few releases. So uh, as a project, you know, I noticed that immediately now there uh, is a post by Justin on upgrading from Fedora 24 to Fedora 25. How How official is this as a process as a project, upgrading from one release to another now?
4: Oh yeah, um, absolutely official, so <laughs> it's definitely um especially it's been something I've been working on for over the last couple releases, so um actually, I noticed somebody in your channel uh, asking for Fedora LTS, and I've heard other people talking about a rolling release, and sometimes it's the same person that says Fedora should either be an LTS or a rolling release, which is weird because those are very different in yeah. you know what what you get from that. <laughs> Uh, and so when I when I ask, ninety percent of the time, what people mean is upgrades suck. They're painful, and you know things break, and it takes a long time. I have to basically give up three days to upgrade, and so I can't run Fedora because I can't afford to block out three days every six months. Right. Um, and as much as we tell people, really, you've got thirteen months, just once a year. It still doesn't doesn't resonate very well. Uh, so we really worked on making the upgrades go more smoothly. So first we had FedUp, which a name that I really loved. you know, Fedora Upgrade, FedUp. Yeah, up. that's great. Um, and, and you can actually still run the new DNF system upgrade as FedUp, which I do myself because oh, cool. it's the best. Um, but yeah, so this new DNF-based system upgrade uses basically the same systemd-based offline updates that the GNOME software updates do. Uh, and so the nice thing about it, it's really fast. Like, I was shocked. I upgraded my system in under half an hour when I went to do the upgrade. So And, and some of that was just like waiting for it to download while I could still do things. So really, like, Click the button, go out for coffee, come back, and you have the new release. So are you
0: delaying or or doing some sort of rollout for the notification for those that are going to use the GNOME software? Or is it just when their distro checks in on the repo?
4: It's when it checks in. And I think someone on Reddit, um, we figured out that it does that daily. I wasn't actually quite sure what the thing was. So it should Mm -hmm. basically hit all at once. Um, We've got a pretty extensive mirror network, so I think that should be okay.
0: Hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. I've got it in. Well, I actually I attempted to install it. I was going to throw down a challenge to Wes. Are you, uh, Wes? Are you ready for a challenge? Boom, 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 boom. Oh, there we go. Much better. So uh, contained on this red 16 gigabyte Toshiba USB 3.0 flash drive is Fedora 25 workstation. I was going to say no, but since it's USB 3, yes. Okay, those are fair <laughs> terms, Chris. Those are fair terms. I'll do it. Wes, behind you is the Entrawer Apollo. Oh.
5: A fine rig, if ever there was one. It was
0: just recently running Ubuntu Mate 16.10 perfectly. So why not replace that with Fedora 25? Yeah. However, I attempted to install earlier today in preparation of this very show, Wes.
5: I take it it did not go well.
0: After reboot... Nothing happened. Dead.
5: Dead.
0: Now, you are clear and free to wipe all hard drives. Okay. Okay. Redo all the
5: the mistakes Chris has made
0: here. Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is before the end of the show, have a working Fedora 25 installation on the Apollo Enterware behind you, plugged in, currently. Do you accept the challenge, sir? Yes, I do. Oh! All right. Then I, uh, here you go. I issue you your thumb drive. Last drive uh, (laughs) accepted. Awesome. (laughs) Good luck. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's gonna be my uh, that'll be my review machine right there if I get it working because it's got the uh, it's got the Intel graphics so so I should be able to do GNOME, great Gnome three and Wayland out of the box right yeah absolutely I'm looking forward to that so that'll be my that'll be my my test machine one of my test machines
2: at
4: least so the other big thing I wanted to talk about um, we changed so we've had this uh, Fedora Next thing for the last couple of years yeah yeah which. It's basically like thinking about what we're doing on purpose rather than just um, continuing to keep doing what we've always done just because we do it. Well said. Uh, and one of the things we cited as part of that is to have these basically separate additions to address different use cases. So we've got the, the workstation, which is basically a you know a technical user desktop um, with the caveat that technical users are people too. And so we want it to be easy <laughs> use. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, a server as well. And then the third thing we had was Fedora Cloud, which was kind of envisioned to be a platform for doing scale-out cloud computing things. And I was hoping we would do SCL software collections on top of that. And for various reasons, that didn't pan out very well. Um, But meanwhile, containers came along, and we had this ongoing revolution in how operating systems are put together. And so we've with Fedora 25 we've replaced Fedora Cloud with Fedora Atomic as one of our top level editions and so Fedora Atomic ah. is Okay, so
0: I thought I was just getting confused. That makes a lot of sense. See, I thought I was just being silly. So now with Fedora Atomic is one of the – is it an addition or a flavor? What's the right vernacular?
4: Yeah, addition is our official Edition. term. Okay. You know, um, flavors is more broad. So I yeah. include the additions and the spins and so everything in the flavor. So is
0: Fedora Atomic – is that uh, – when I think, I think of a Project Atomic, transactional update. So what is Fedora Atomic?
4: Yeah, so Fedora Atomic is an implementation of Project Atomic, uh, basically. So Project Atomic is kind of the theoretical umbrella. So there's RHEL Atomic and CentOS Atomic and Fedora Atomic. Uh, And so this is um, just like Fedora in general, a fast-moving upstream version of Atomic. A two-week release cycle? Absolutely. So it's based on the the Fedora 25 base, but then there are updates every two weeks with um, new package sets and everything. Wow. Wow. and unlike most of Fedora, like you were talking about, you know, the 13-month relief, thirteen month life cycle, sorry, I'm getting so excited I can't talk, um, basically, uh, we're only supporting the latest version of Atomic, so if there's a problem, it's update to the latest two-week thing, and we won't, uh, now that Fedora 25 is out, we're not supporting the Fedora 24 Atomic And just so I'm all.
0: clear, the deal with Atomic is if I do an update and something borks, I can transactionally roll back, right? So it's
4: lower risk, in a right. sense. Right, a- absolutely, yeah, so basically um, it it's kind of like Git for your operating system, um, in a lot of the concepts, so basically you can check out, you know, a certain um, point, and then that's what you have as your operating system.
0: Slick. I like that, and then and then what is what is uh, what is, what do you mean when you say that Fedora will also offer a Docker formatted base
4: image? Is this yes? Uh, so we have that means basically means there's a Fedora uh, Docker image that, that will I can be, start with Docker to create home. some. And, yeah, so ah, okay. It's what you get other when you, say, on. you know Docker run Fedora. That's what you'll get. Neat.
5: Uh, that sounds kind of fun to yeah. play
4: with. And so we're actually also working on um, and should be in production like literally any moment now, a thing where Fedora contributors can, using basically the same workflow that we use to create RPMs, create Docker images that are layered on top of that base using RPMs in the Fedora distro.
0: Wow, Matt, that is that is some super great stuff, and uh, it's interesting because it's it's sort of treating the Docker Hub and all of that as just another distribution platform for Fedora. It's
4: yeah, basically, hmm. uh, and then of course people, you know, users can build on top of that to you know build their own applications and the things they need. So that will be uh, because with Atomic, um, you can using. Uh, Um, basically a debug mode, install different uh, RPMs directly onto your system, but basically uh, part of the the trade-off you get for having the atomic updates is you get a system that is like the same image everywhere, um, which is also good for QA, but Hmm. hard for like, how do I get my application onto here and actually do things? And the answer is you do that in containers. Like The idea is the base should be small and minimal and not a bunch of uh, custom stuff on it, and everything you do goes in a container. Sure. So the next step, obviously, is where do my containers come from? So that's the. That
0: is, uh, that is exactly where it seems to be that the puck is going. I had, uh, it, when I was gone last week, I, uh, I met uh, the gentleman that is in charge of all of the network storage for LinkedIn and also for uh, one of the gentlemen that's in charge of all of the network infrastructure and services for Groupon, mm. uh, as well as one of the network engineers at Intel. And uh, one of the guys that works at level three. And uh, all of them, all of them were talking about using containers to host services that they use now. All of them. Even, there, even the ones that were there to talk about BSD mm-hmm. and talk about – they were talking about using jails. And when they weren't talking about their BSD systems, they're using containers on Linux. Not all of them are necessarily using Docker. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But there's it is – that is definitely where where they're going. So uh, I I – I often I often think about well. It seems like Canonical has a super strong presence here with Ubuntu. They've they you know they've really been benefiting well here. Uh, I don't know how well SUSE is is doing here, but it sounds like Fedora has it with twenty five, especially has a really solid answer here.
4: Uh, we like to think so, yeah. And I think um, as we're going forward. Um, I talked about um, Atomic and Workstation, but not very much about server in this release. Yeah. I think um, Fedora Server, is, this is kind of an incremental release uh-huh. here for Fedora Server. Um, you know, new versions of stuff, etc., etc. Some of the um, things highlighted in the release notes. But um, next release, we're actually going to put together a version of server that is hopefully composed of uh, different containers running a lot of the base mm. services mm. as an experimental version of it. Oh, so um, more of the stuff... In containers, I think it's definitely the future of the operating system.
0: Wow. Well, so uh, Noah and I will be reviewing the Fedora worksta- Fedora 25 workstation uh, edition this Sunday, and I uh, I'm, Wes will get it installed here on the Apollo, I'm sure. And I've, I'm going to load it on a couple other machines. I, I I'm really looking forward to trying it, especially because a few of my machines uh, I think uh, are Intel graphics. So the Whalen, you know, just even just getting to try that out and just even if it's not perfect it's going to be we exciting. Know you want that smooth desktop. I do. I do. We'll talk about that more. But Wimpy, you know, I was looking at uh the different uh, features of Fedora 25 and one of the uh features that jumped out at me is in Fedora 25 uh, Mate 1.16 is available which is the switch to GTK3 um what do you think about that? I, and, and what are your thoughts about how awesome it is right now that f- f- a current version of Fedora is able to ship Mate 1.16 and it's based on GTK3. This this seems like a big step forward just for the Mate platform in general. Do you agree?
6: Yeah. Uh, so uh, Wolfgang Albrecht is the Fedora maintainer for Mate and he has done that work. And it was he and I and Mike Gabriel who got together earlier this year. So Mike Gabriel's a Debian developer and the three of us got together and agreed we would land the GTK3 version solely the GTK3 version in those three distros for the 1.16 release. So yeah there's been several distros working towards that um and uh, yeah it's only because the Fedora release schedule uh, was offset slightly from the Ubuntu release schedule that Ubuntu got there first but you know we we actually arrived with mate 1.6 or gtk3 at the same time and then it was Mm -hmm. just as the releases landed so when uh uh, debian 9 uh lands next year that will be 1.16 as well gtk3 only
0: that's that's a that is so awesome for mate because it's gonna everything and once debian 9 ships everything major being on that release version gtk3 being available for all of them is big for things because it's like it's like GTK 3.20 too, right? So that means flat pack supports in there and but also like high DPI supports in there and all these other things, right?
6: Yep. And um now the the job at hand is to sort of polish that 1.16 release. Um so we've got um Debian coming up with their um their release, and uh, it will be an intensive bog, bog, bug squishing uh, season now as, as that approaches to try and uh, really uh, shine it up. Do you have a cold, Wimpy? No, I have uh, I have an empty bottle of wine in front of me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Much, better. That was, Much I was, better. I was
0: actually hoping you were going to say yes, because, I mean, not that I want you to be sick at all, but that was going to be my super smooth transition to uh, Ubicon. Uh, and I... I, I Poby, I thought you weren't going to be here this week. Both you and Wimpy are here. I thought for sure. I thought you were traveling. I've been watching your Twitter feed this week, and uh, I thought you were at Ubicon, which uh, apparently I had totally missed the date on. So, uh, guys, I'm glad you're able to make it. Uh, Poppy, let's start with you. Uh, welcome back. Did you manage to get uh, the Con Crud, or did you avoid any of the Con Crud meeting with all your fellow Ubuntu'ers?
7: Uh, yeah, it was great. It was really nice to meet up with friends and watch a bunch of talks and have beer in the evening and uh, cool conversations in corridors and meet new people and record interviews for our podcast and all kinds of good stuff. It's really nice. Like, because we're all distributed around the world, we don't often bump into each other. I mean, I see Martin fairly often, but I, I don't get to see many of the other people I work with and certainly not many of the community people from around the world. So it's really good. Like just with every other distro, it's nice to get together and see the people who help make your distro rock.
0: Where was it, Poppy?
7: It was in a town called Essen in Germany. And uh, the community guys in Germany organized the whole thing. We gave them help and there was some community funding from uh, Ubuntu users who've donated money to uh, the project. We used some of that money to help fund uh, the project and they also had some sponsors and uh yeah it was in a place called Unperfect House which is a bizarre building uh which is excellent lots of little tiny rooms and a couple of big rooms and uh loads of art spaces and creative oh, types it's just and a bar a couple so of bars i would Ooh. imagine if this is
0: a if this is a community driven event it's not like policy is being policies not being set um Future project directions aren't being set. So, what is what is is it a is it a get together that uh, and, and just of people where they trade stories, or is there is there any kind of community action that develops here? What what happens here?
7: So the the structure is there's a, a bunch of talks, one hour slot talks, um, and anyone could submit a talk. And there's uh, Jane Silber, our CEO, did a keynote, oh, and. Cool. Uh, uh, one of the guys from the IoT team gave a talk about I, Ubuntu uh, IoT. Uh there was someone from Microsoft there talking about uh, bash on ubuntu on windows. Oh really? Um there were people talking about uh how to contribute in the community, uh talking about how to improve the desktop. Um it was all kinds of stuff like a diverse range of subject you know you pick a subject and you submit it as a talk and uh, it got on the track we had like two or three tracks and so sometimes there were clashes and you couldn't go to everything and other times there Mm -hmm. was only one talk on so you know you you get a good attendance at those kind of talks so it was really like a pure community uh, bunch of talks but then there was also corridor communication uh, uh, corridor conversations like you get at any kind of event and conversations over beer in the evening and you You know why don't we do this? And you know, kind of brainstorming ideas of how we can improve things. And then towards the end, there were discussions of what the next Dubacon would be, where that might be in the world, and which community part of the community is going to organise that. And yeah, it was really great. I I I massively enjoyed it. I it it, it far exceeded my expectations for a community event.
0: Hmm. So Wimpy, I wanted to uh, uh, ask you what it was like to go because you have an I would imagine. An interesting and and now newer, fresher perspective. But is this your? Is this the first kind of event like this you've gone to, Wimpy? Or have you gone to a few of these? Uh,
6: this is the first Ubucon Europe that was that's ever taken place, and it's the first, but there have been other regional Ubucons, mm. but this is the first one that I've attended.
0: Does it feel and different going now as a canonical employee, uh somebody who now well, is kind of more well known in the community? Well,
6: not really. So. Um, obviously it was good that i knew there was probably over the course of the weekend about six or eight canonical people who were you know employees who were at the event and it was good that i knew who all of those people were because (laughs) i've now i've now met them at a couple of events you know earlier in the year but by and large the people in the community who knew me or knew of me knew me because of Ubuntu Mate, not because of the fact that I'm a canonical employee.
0: I thought for sure you were going to say Linux unplugged. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually,
6: no, uh, I did, I did when I sat down for dinner on Saturday night. And they heard your voice. Yeah, exactly. I joined a table of people I didn't know and joined in the conversation, and then somebody said, "I know your voice," yeah, and it was from uh, Linux Unplugged. So yeah. I quickly pointed them at Ubuntu Podcast to set them in the right direction. <laughs> Good man.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? It's funny how many people I meet once they hear me speak. And then they realize, oh, I know that voice, and uh, it is it is very because so I yeah, that's always how it goes down so uh what did you think what did you take away from ooh gone, uh wimpy and uh, what did you take away not only as uh, an employee of Canonical but as somebody who might be looking at what users want and and how you could tweak your project? So
6: um, it was one of the best sort of floss, open sourcey conferences I've ever attended. Um, as as Popey said, the quality of the talks was, was high. It was extremely well organized. The venue was excellent. Um, and the social events that happened on the Friday and Saturday were also really good fun. So there was a lot to like about it um made loads of new friends people who i've had sort of passing online acquaintances with Mm -hmm. um over you know several years actually getting to meet those people in person and shake their hand and in some cases i tried to buy people beer but i had more beers bought for me than i got to buy for other people that's Um, tricky sometimes you know so you know it was a very friendly that was the other thing it was a very friendly group of people it was really good fun there was no awkwardness at all it was it was terrific and um we put we recorded a mashup podcast whilst we were there. Um, from a few of the uh, European Ubuntu podcasts, uh, got together uh, and did a mashup recording. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, one of the guys there even made a um, took a bottle of um, club mate and adapted it into the official Ubuntu mate beverage, which was uh, which was very good of him. So there was all sorts of silliness and good fun. Very great. good.
1: Very good.
0: I uh, first of all, I feel like we should do some mashup podcasting, but you guys, uh, you guys got to make the long trek over here. So I know it's like it's like asking a lot. But or that, you, or you could come over
6: here because there's true. one of you and there's several of that's us. You I, know, <laughs> so I know. one of the one of the conversations
7: that's kicked off immediately after that ubicon was uh, the next ubicon at scale next year. Oh so yeah, that could happen.
0: Uh, see, I'm, I'm still on the fence about scale, and now you're making me want to go. I mean that would be a thing. If I Empty knew for sure you guys – if I knew for sure you were going to be there, then maybe that'd be, that might be a game changer. I don't I'll know. try and bring my nice smell. <laughs> <laughs>
6: and i i i happen to know why is popey smells so good at these conventions because when he arrives at the airport um before he boards the aircraft he goes into the uh into the uh the um Facilities uh, there. men's no, into the men's uh you know uh smellies uh department mm-hmm. and uh and yeah. and get, gets himself all new all new nice smelling things. it's the too. freebies dude it's all <laughs> yeah. the freebies you get in
0: there Wimpy, you'll be happy to know that uh, I was uh, literally crawling all over MeetBSD. Uh, I, I don't have a. I, I should. I should send you this photo. Maybe I will uh, later after the show. Uh, I was. I, I crawled up onto a speaker that was set up for the for you know like to to re to rebroadcast what the person in right. the booth was saying. And I mounted my camera to the top of the speaker because I wanted a shot of the person giving the presentation. And I'm like, I'm stretched all the way out, reaching to the speaker. And right there in front of the entire BSD crowd is me wearing my Ubuntu Mate jacket. Oh, that's (laughs)
6: nicely done. (laughs) Nicely done.
0: So I was repping while I was I was down there. And it was uh, yeah, that was fun.
6: So um, I, I, I did some, some brand promotion whilst I was there as well. So when I arrived on the Friday, I had all of my Ubuntu Mate stuff on. And then uh, on the Saturday, I wore uh, the System AU podcast shirt that uh, I won recently uh, from a competition on their podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't <that laughs> <really isn't. laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh, well, that sounds like a good time. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I gotta, now, now I got to think seriously about – Wes, what do you think about scale? How would that work? Could you uh, could you get like the uh, the work? Uh, yeah, sure. Could they? I mean, if, if, if well, I don't know. I, I'd have to ask, but I could investigate. Well, you could totally. But uh, I might even
5: just go if it's. I mean, if you it's could gonna totally be if you wanted to. to you could ride down in and Lady Jupes with us. Oh, if I go, right?
0: <sighs> See that this sounds like a lot of fun. See, I got really lucky on this last trip because I got to I got to camp in the uh, campus parking lot. So that's that, that made it much more doable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that I could. I don't know if I could be that lucky with scale, but that uh, that was. So you could write down with us if you if, okay. you, if you go. Well, then we so got to start thinking think about, about this. That.
6: Yeah, I assume you're planning on doing Linux Fest Northwest next year as well.
0: Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Are you? Yeah.
6: Okay. Uh, well, I was hoping to make it this year, but um, events uh, mm-hmm. escalated, mm-hmm. so that didn't happen. But, yeah, I would like to uh, come out. I think it's May. I was looking at the dates the other day. Yeah, it is. They, so, they just yeah.
0: changed it, actually. I mean, they changed it from what it has been previously, yeah. So uh, Linux Fest Northwest 2017 is going to be uh, May 6th there and the 7th. Uh, and, you know, I think... This thing gets nearly now twenty two hundred participants yeah, isn't i mean that that's, awesome? that's 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 a serious scale I mean that it's is quite something isn't it
6: that's oh, a real yeah. word play
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a serious event, so I do think it is worth more and more time for mm-hmm. people that maybe haven't gone in the past. is it getting skipping- yeah so I mean, yeah i'm
6: I'm considering going to Linux fest Northwest and you know that main c mod you know um fly all that way to go to a weekend event from Europe. But there were there were people at Ubucon, Europe from the u s who traveled out, so uh Elizabeth Joseph Kumbach was there um for the weekend, and Nathan Haynes, one of the community contributors, was there as well. But there's another guy in the community called Jose. He lives in Lima in Peru, and he traveled all the way from Peru oh. to Germany for the weekend and was flying back wow. to get back to university in time for class <laughs> on the on the Tuesday, It's just like mental. So Wimby, there's some really committed fans out there. If
0: you're, dedication. if you're able to make it out here for Linux Fast Northwest, schedule an extra day. Yeah. And I'll take you to just a couple of spots in the Pacific Northwest that I would I will promise you are some of the most beautiful sights you will see in the world as long as the weather's cooperating. I mean, they are right. truly gorgeous. If you have an extra day, I'll, I'll take you on a personal tour.
6: Lovely. I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do.
0: So let's talk about really quickly before we move on because there's so much stuff to talk about this week. We should probably pick it up. Uh, I want to talk about GM Vault, both a tool that Wes and I found this week that allows you to back up and restore your Gmail account. Yeah, your Gmail account. It's a tool for backing up your Gmail account and never lose any email correspondence. What a nice thing to have, a little peace of mind when you're using Gmail. And uh, just as Wes likes it, just as Mr. Richard Stallman likes it. Uh,
4: I've never
2: installed GNU slash Linux. It
0: is a GNU AGPL 3.0 license. You can find it at gmvault.org. And uh, it's super easy to set up and it backs up your entire freaking Google account. So what were you thinking when you found this one? Uh, well,
5: I just got myself a Pixel. Uh, so I'm uh, more involved than ever in the Google ecosystem. Ooh. And, you know, I heard about them. like they I think they reversed the decision, but there were some issues with people pre ordering
0: Pixels and Let's, then selling them. You know them. what? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. And I, do you have your Pixel here? I do. Oh, hold it. Hold it. Don't let me see it yet. Oh, my God. I have, I have been looking forward to trying a Pixel. I cannot wait. This is going to be my first hands on with the Pixel. And Wes, how long have you had it, Wes?
5: Uh, I got it last Wednesday.
0: Oh, we're going to basically you've had it for six days. We're yep, going to hear your thoughts much. about it and all of it. So uh, we'll have a we'll have a link to GM Vault. But let's take a moment and uh, let's thank Ting because, geez, this is pretty time appropriate, right? It sure is. <laughs> Linux.ting.com, Linux.ting.com, Linux.ting.com is where you go to get $25 off your first device or $25 in service credit Ooh. if you bring a device. Yeah, they got CDMA and GSM networks. So check their BYOD page. And you just might be able to bring a device. Ting is mobile that makes sense. They take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. They add them all up and whatever you use, that's what you pay. It's six dollars just for the line itself. Think about that for a second. One line is six bucks a month, then your usage. Two lines is another six dollars. Three lines, another six dollars. If you're a small business like me, that is so economical. Plus, if you've got Wi-Fi at your office, that means if you're doing if you're doing Ting for your business, and you have Wi-Fi at your office, when your staff are at the office, they're not using Ting because they're on Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah, exactly. uh, just, just use a messenger, you know, use some VoIP, and you're done. And you're not paying for anything but the line except for when they're on the road because when they got home, they got Wi-Fi too. So if you're also, obviously, if you're an individual, this works for you as well. I love this. They got all these great devices you can choose from, from the bare SIM to feature phones all the way up to the latest and graded. Greatest. So check them out at linux.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring the unplugged program. Linux.ting.com. Okay. I'm going to have to, you know what? Hold on really quick. Uh, Oracle bought DYN. That was, what I was That's what we were yep, going to talk about. Was, was Instead, it. let's talk about. Can I see it? Yeah, sure. Can I see it? All right, I'm going to turn the camera on because this is super special. This is very important to Chris. So <laughs> if you're watching the video version, this is Chris's first. Don't uh, ignore all the Jupiter broadcasting presence right there. That's for another thing I'm recording at another time. Just ignore it. Oh, let me see it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. That's nice. Yeah, it it's has a very pleasant hand. It's, feel. Much mm-hmm. it's much lighter than I expected. It's much lighter than I expected. Uh, I definitely think that weird two-tone, that's weird. It even feels weird, the two differences there. Oh,
5: yeah, like the glass and then the metal. So this... On the backside, it has that weird angle. All right,
0: all right. So it's kind uh, of
5: wedge-shaped in general, if you notice.
0: This is, uh, this is nice, though. Um... Yeah, I like it. I like it. It feels good
5: on the table, like mm-hmm. I expected. One thing I noticed is the uh, power button has like a ribbing, like crosshatch
0: on it, which is helpful when you're pressing it. Yeah, kind of like the six P had that. Yeah, the six P mm-hmm. had that too. Yeah, this is these buttons feel very much like the six P. Yeah. Only this feels this feels in the hand a lot like the six P, but half the size, uh, uh, width wise. Yeah. Right. It feels it feels exactly like the 6P with those buttons. There, and I got actually. the Pixel, not the XL, just to be clear, audience. Good size. Yeah, yeah that's no, good I, size. I love it. It's perfect. So how's the camera? How are you liking all that kind of stuff? I haven't taken too
5: many pictures yet, um, but it's fast. It's way faster than any other Android camera that I've seen. Uh, I mean, the app still takes like a second to start up, but here, if you want to play with it.
0: Oh, you unlock it for yeah, me.
5: there you go. Mm. Have at it, sir.
0: The new launcher looks exactly like the old launcher, but that, but uh, except for the search thing, smaller. Is search else? thing
5: smaller. Uh, you can like swipe up to get all of your apps.
0: Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. Google's
5: assistant down at the bottom if you'd like to play. Have with you her.
0: used that much the assistant?
5: Uh, a few things, like I mean, I've had it set alarms or uh, tell me the hours of a restaurant. Feels fast. Yeah, no, it, it does feel fast. It's probably the fastest Android phone I've had or used personally for very long. So, I'm I'm pretty pleased with the performance so far.
0: Hmm. So uh, yeah, gosh, the screen looks great, man. I know the camera is, feels very fast. Mm-hmm. I would say it feels as fast as the iPhone.
5: Yeah, you know, I haven't used the iPhone that much, but that my wife switched to this phone as well from an iPhone six. Oh really? And, uh, so far, I think she likes it a lot.
0: How's I'll the have to bat- get more reviews? How's the battery?
5: Battery life has been great. Uh, I'm charging it like. Once a day-ish, but kind of randomly whenever, and it does charge as fast as, as advertised. So I don't really worry about charging anymore, which has been very pleasant. I don't yet have a lot of the USB gadgets wow. in my life, but I do have some coworkers with USB phones. So it's nice knowing, too, like we can charge each other's phones. If oh, yeah, to, yeah, for sure. Pretty slick.
0: USB-C does seem like the way of the feature.
5: And I've already fallen in love with not having to, you know,
0: find which way my
5: damn USB cord is oriented.
0: Yeah, that's it, just worth it. So it looks all like by it looks like you get about twelve, thirteen hours looking at your battery stats. It looks like you get twelve, thirteen hours of battery life, which, which is right, which is pretty solid. Um, how's the audio quality? Like listening to podcasts on the speakers built in? How's that? Pretty good, actually, and loud. Surprisingly
5: loud. Uh, for a while, I was having a Bluetooth issue, which is no longer the case. Um, so I was just
0: listening with to your five X. You mean, or what do you mean when you were having a Bluetooth issue?
5: No, when I first installed this phone, before I updated it or anything, it, it was more just like a. It wasn't connecting to my Bose wireless uh, speaker. Oh, I love for the Bose reason. wireless yeah.
0: speaker. That's a great speaker. So I,
5: for a little bit, just for that day, while it was like that was the first day I had it, um, I was just listening to the speaker, and it was like I could shower and listen to a podcast yeah. from the phone. So it yeah.
0: was pretty loud. Uh, so have you used like the, uh, the voice dictation, like the, like the, I don't want to say it, but like the, where you can say, okay, Googs, mm-hmm. have you been using that?
5: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it works pretty well. Have as you well tried as, it yeah, like across little...
0: the room? Have you tried No, it? I have not. Okay. Let's do it right let's now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm trying, I've just turned off your screen. Mm-hmm. I've turned off your screen. Now you, you attempt to invoke it. Okay. Google. Oh yeah. Let up. Look you at got that. it. You wow. got it. You got it. Good. Okay. Well, now let me try it. Knows me. Let me try it knows okay. Okay, Google. It didn't do it.
3: it now let's it. mumble try. Mumble try. No, I can't hear. Okay,
0: now let's try it on the iPhone. Okay. Oh yeah. There you go. Uh, so I'll unmute it just for this. Hey Siri. Okay. So now you try doing a Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Ah. Nothing. Okay. So I found it. It worked. Yes. Okay. Well, at least that little bit of
5: security is nice.
4: <laughs> Touche.
0: So what do you think overall? You really happy with the purchase? You regret yes. it? I mean, obviously, you saw the state of my old five. Yeah. Uh, man. It, it was, was terrible. I needed too. a
5: phone. I was waiting for Google's next phone. Just, I mean, I like stock Android. I like that I'm getting updates now. It
0: feels good in the hand.
5: Yeah, it feels really it's nice. It's nice on the table. I need to get a case or at least a screen protector. I'm kind of running dangerous right now, but uh, it's beautiful. I love feeling it. I also went with, uh, right now I'm using Google's Fi, the wireless service. Oh, yeah, yeah. How's Fi? That was, it was crazy easy to set up. Like, it was, I already had a, the number I wanted on Google
0: Voice, and so uh-huh. you I really just, that. I just, like, You, the you did in. the no going back switch. Yeah. There's no, they warn you, there's no going back once you do this.
5: You can in some cases, and you can port away your number, too. How, so how can that be? Uh, but it, you have to no longer, you can either use one or the other.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
5: And that's fine, because I was mostly using Google Voice to forward to my so if I can just have that number yeah, on my carrier, yeah. then that's yeah, fine. And yeah. I get all the features. And it has yeah. visual voicemail and such mm-hmm. now, too, which is mm-hmm. nice. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm actually an ActiveFi subscriber. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I find it to be totally underwhelming and not that compelling at all, and a big disappointment. But that's my personal experience. You know, and I've only just started. I just thought it was a because I had it on Google Voice. It was so
5: simple to get started. I was very I yeah, was just like I clicked a few yeah. things, and then suddenly my phone worked. Which you
0: know, nice. so I I might have broken you accidentally because uh, just if if you want to subscribe to uh, Google Fi, and I bet a lot of I bet they're getting a lot of subscribers with the Pixel. Uh, don't install the apps from the Play Store that tell you how it's using the networks because what you will discover is that Google is calculating their cost as well when they choose which networks you go on. Oh, I believe that. And it's not just your pure which one's going to be better for speed and signal. And once you realize that they're making that calculation and they sometimes put you on a slower network just mm. because it saves them money, mm-hmm. it's
5: super frustrating. I can totally see you being frustrated with that. Yeah. Well, and- I'll have to I'll have to test this out and uh, see how my – See what I see. How it works?
0: Yeah, the idea is nice. Yeah, and uh, it's one of the other things is nice about Fi. If you're okay with giving Google all of the things, every last thing. One of the nice things about Fi is like Glass for a short period of time and other things. It's a part of Google's hyper focus right now, where they actually give a shift a little. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so they actually help you, mm-hmm. and they have good customer service. And so if you're ever going to use a Google product, where they take all of the things, it's the one to use.
5: That's what I figured. I mean, I don't know that it'll stay long-term, right? I already have sing, uh, Ting SIM cards laying around. I just thought, eh, I you know, this is the first phone eligible. I'll give it a shot, see what it it's, is.
0: And it's an interesting idea, and also it's another way to give the middle finger to the carriers. Yeah, right. Totally. So I, I like it from there.
5: But uh, you'll have to hear more. I'll I'll use it, you know, give it a couple of months' of use and check back in.
0: There is a, uh, do you hear that? There's a check going on? Are we being bombed right now? Uh, I am not joking. When I say there is an extremely high probability that it is Paul Allen. So Paul Allen, uh, I had a client that shares warehouse space with Paul Allen here at the Arlington Airport. Oh, interesting. So the studio is a stone's throw away from the Arlington Airport. And Paul Allen has a jet from like the Vietnam War era that he just bought to just like, you know, I feel like, you know, like how some of us might buy like a go-kart or a or I don't know, something like a bike, like a mountain bike. You just
5: you know, pick Paul, up a jet.
0: Paul Allen buys like a, a World War II or Vietnam era jet and he stores it – and this is this is all 100 percent true. He stores it here at the, at the Arlington Airport and I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell you this because my client had to sign an NDA. However, I did not sign an NDA. Right. But so uh, a section of my client's warehouse was fenced off with a chain link fence with a door in it and a, and a bolt. And in this chain link fence section was Paul Allen's personal toy fighter jet. Wow! That he takes here at the Arlington Airport and flies around like a maniac. So we may be being bombed by Paul Allen. Okay. Good yeah. No. Thank yeah. you, Chris. So that's that. It could be wow. who we're hearing right now. That is actually legitimately true. Also, you know what else is ops absolutely one hundred percent true? Those crazy Russians over at Kaspersky apparently have their own operating system. Did you know this? Yeah, isn't this nuts? Kaspersky OS. They seem very excited. They say it's designed for networks with extreme requirements for data security. Uh, For like layer three switches, they say it's got a microkernel architecture. And they give the middle finger to Linux. They say, yeah, I know what you're thinking. It's not even the slightest quote unquote smell of Linux. All the popular operating systems are not designed with security in mind. We could do better. So it's simpler and safer to just start from the ground up. Boy, this sounds like Ike. Doesn't that sound like Ike? Sure Ikey? does. Yeah. Uh, and that was just exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. That's exactly- <laughs> I tease. I tease. But really, yeah. So Kaspersky has their own OS because nobody else could do it better, they say.
5: Is the source available or are they keeping it closed and uh, you have to buy it from Oh, them? that's the first
0: comment on the story, by the way. The very <laughs> first comment which- <laughs> Good job, West. Scroll that. Look at that. Look. Are you gonna put the source on GitHub? It's right there. Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, great. okay. No, it's not the first comment anymore. Okay, it was when I read it. Full disclosure, it was when I read it. But uh, yeah, that is uh Kaspersky OS. What a pile of horseshit. Yeah. I'm so sick of people creating their own encryption. Telegram. I am so sick of people creating <laughs> their own operating systems. Kaspersky. Just give me a break. Yeah. Wait till they have to update it. Exactly. Uh, I just yeah. I wonder
5: if we'll see any. Would you use have any this.
0: confidence deploying this at at your business? No, you would not do it. It's just it's so ridiculous. I mean, I would. There would need to be some at least some really good
5: reviews, and then why, I mean, I don't have to be wanting to buy a proprietary replacement for these sets of things anyway. I don't, mm-hmm. have, I, don't, I don't see it happening.
0: You hear that, yet? That's yes, that's Paul Allen. I tell you, get out of here. You know how you know? You know how you know? Because if it was an actual jet with a purpose that was here to do something, they'd be flying on. The fact that that son of a bitch Just is circling, circling,
5: hanging out, having a nice Paul Allen. Yeah. Paul Allen is, is truly the, here the in The Pacific Northwest, the mountains are
0: out. Yeah, you know, uh, Alan Jude on TechSnap totally destroyed Les Pass for me. I was pretty fired up about Les Pass. Mm-hmm. No synchronization required, open source. And then he's like, "Well, this, this, and that." And he had a, he made a lot of good points. So now, now I'm getting all fired up about Bitwarden. So you're, you're back on... Well, this is really Mr. Tunnell here. He produced the uh, the last week's Linux Unplugged like a... Oh. Yeah. All right. Ooh. All this right. This is different. Let's talk about Mr. Michael uh-huh. Tunnell right now. Mr. Producer Michael Tunnell, a.k.a. Rotten Corpse last week, produced Linux Unplugged for no, and he did a damn good job. Yes. Damn good job. So... As uh, as uh, as sort of a nod and a thank you to both him and Noah for filling into last week's episode, uh, I wanted to cover something that he's kind of excited about, and that's uh, Bitwarden. And Bitwarden is an open source cross platform password manager, and it's on. You have
3: hundreds of accounts online, websites, apps, email, work. Yeah. How do you keep up with I all sure those do. passwords? I don't know. Most of us just end up reusing the same My password passwords just everywhere, hair. or <laughs> because you tried to be smart, you're constantly battling with forgot password resets yeah his last pass isn't a thing
0: security breaches happen online every day right your usernames and passwords
4: are stolen by hackers that can end up ruining your life
0: I trust this guy because he has a semi beard he has a gray shirt and three monitors they are nicely set up there yeah I would like the desk yeah although he does seem to be running windows
4: whenever you reuse the same passwords everywhere you're inviting those hackers into all your accounts that's right Using strong, unique passwords for every service you use online is essential, but seemingly impossible. That's why we created Bitwarden. Bitwarden is a password
3: management application that keeps you safe online. Bitwarden automatically generates unique, secure passwords for all of your accounts. Next time you go to log in, Bitwarden will automatically fill in your login information for you. It's that simple. That did not look automatic. It looked like he clicked that.
0: Okay, so let's – okay. So 155 backers, they've raised $3,000 of uh, 40, $49,000 goal. 40 days left to go. Uh, Michael, how, how is this even interesting at all to you? What is interesting about this? I mean I I, I put it in here, but I mean like – Really? What is it? Because this sounds super generic to me. Going once. Uh Uh-oh, did he leave? Wes, is he in there? That bastard. You know, ladies and gentlemen. Running away. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to Linux Unplugged, uh, the only weekly Linux podcast with as many listeners where we just toss it to people that don't even exist. (laughs) So we're just.
5: (laughs) It's Unplugged, people. That's why we call it that.
0: Now you know. know. So uh, since he's not here to defend it, I'm going to assume what he was going to say is, uh, well, Chris, uh, I just don't like uh, Log Me In and uh, I don't like LastPass because Log Me In. So therefore, I'm willing to throw my money at anything. I think that's probably what he was going to say. That's probably. It does seem to be open source. Rekha, so just cut all of that from the show. Just cut all of that. Let's just let's just cut all of that. We tried. No, that's... leave it in, Rick. I Leave it in. That's the kind of thing that uh people that podcast five years ago did. Now that's not what we do now. You got between Chris Paul, has
5: standards now.
0: Between Paul Allen <laughs> and <laughs> and Rotten Corps. Yeah. I just this whole episode's ruined. It's whole it's whole ruined. Uh let's talk about fifteen dollar production Kubernetes clusters on DigitalOcean. That's kind of interesting. Wes, can you explain to me what Kubernetes are? Because it sounds like they're delicious, tasty morsels. I that does
5: it does look like that, right? Uh Kubernetes is an orchestration layer for running containers. Uh, it provides you like a bunch of abstractions, so you can have pods and sets of things, so that you can be like, I need, you know, this number of containers running this service, the usually microservices that you're putting in containers, uh, and then you can kind of abstract away your hardware. You install a bunch of these on different hardware. Right now, usually on. Uh, on like cloud boxes, but you can have it on bare metal as well. Uh, and then this provides you a bunch of ways you can kind of schedule things. You can make sure services are running. It'll automatically restart things or auto scale as needed with traffic. It's kind of provides you a whole like production environment. So they handle like secret management as well. And, you know, provide like key value stores for, you know, different configurations per no environment, that, that sort of stuff. Uh, so it's a lot, it's one of those, you know, you only need this this stuff when you're really running something big, but that makes it kind of hard to, you know, hard to learn, right? So if you're installing like a big infrastructure, there's a lot of things you might not do if you had a small infrastructure. But if you work in a big environment, you probably need to learn those things anyway. Uh, so they have something called Minikube where you can run it like in a VM on your desktop. But I just thought this was kind of neat. It's not something to ever do for production or like run it. He didn't need to do this for his end goal. Uh, it was just kind of an example of like, if you here here's if you wanted to mock up what you might do at real scale uh, on you know cheap
0: DigitalOcean hardware, which is really easy to get. Using $5 Yeah, words. you can spin
5: it up, use it, test it, play with it, spin it down, practice your configuration management. So I just thought that was cool.
0: Poby, can you help me with the official pronunciation before we move on? Um, I don't care how you say it, but everyone else says it Kubernetes. Kubernetes. Yep. Is, that, is that Kubernetes? The, yeah. I feel like it doesn't, doesn't sound as delicious when you add the netties part. Now it sounds like something I put in my nose, not something I put in my mouth. But uh, Kubernetes, how, would you, need, how would you say if if
7: how would you say in a way that you don't want to eat it?
0: Kubernetes. Kubernetes. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like that sounds like a cookie. Yeah. Kubernetes sounds like a delicious cookie <laughs> with cream in the middle. Right. I think Let's this like image
5: has biased everyone for the whole thing. Chris will ever think of this as related to cookies. <laughs>
0: Well, why don't we take a moment right now, eh, since we just mentioned DigitalOcean, let's talk about DigitalOcean. They are our next sponsor here on the Unplugged program, digitalocean.com, and use our promo code D-O-Unplugged, that's one word, and get a $10 credit over at digitalocean.com. It's interesting, you know, at $5 a month for a droplet, you can play with things like Kubernetes. makes it really easy to do things. You can spin up a whole bunch if you're only going to use
5: them for an hour, you know. I like that flexibility.
0: Also, if you're uh, maybe doing a new release of a project and you want to spin up a little additional capacity, Mm -hmm. uh, DigitalOcean is some of the infrastructure behind some of our favorite open source projects out there. And it makes sense. At $5 a month, you can get a pretty great machine. Or at just a few cents an hour, you can get a fantastic machine. It really just depends on how you want to set it up. And they have a fantastic interface to wrap it all up and put it together. And they have an API that's so simple and so straightforward that there's been tons of great open source code written to take advantage of it. Go to DigitalOcean.com and just start working. Use our promo code DO Unplugged get a ten dollar credit and run it for a while. Five dollar drop will get you two months for free. Woo! DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code DO Unplugged. Ubuntu, Fedora. FreeBSD, BSD, Debian, CoreOS—they got data centers all over the world. Just give it a try, DigitalOcean.com. In fact, speaking of you know the Fedora 25 release recently, I've, I went—I I think I went from Fedora 23 to 24 on DigitalOcean Droplet, nice. running Embi uh, using Fedora Cloud, and then using—I can't remember what the name of the web interface was. But I managed to deploy an MB – what? Cockpit? Is that the one? cockpit. Yep. Thank you, Wes. And I used cockpit to deploy an MB image, and then that was on a DigitalOcean droplet, and then I upgraded that from 23 to 24 without a problem. Look at
5: you in the cloud, Chris.
0: DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DOUnplugged. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged I want to talk about something that's really bothering me. And I want to get there via the Oryx Pro. Um. So, Wes, I I feel like what's happened in the phone industry is happening in the personal computer industry. The single vendor, single platform, single – I design the software. I design the hardware. And I put it all together. And I I spoke I, like, yeah. Microsoft is doing this now with the Surface Studio, the Surface Book, the Surface Pro. Apple is doing this now with the Mac OS in a way they never have before with the touch bar. It's mm-hmm. becoming less and less Linux compatible more so than ever. Every single vendor that has a major stake in this is often – they even if it's Android, it's their own variant like Samsung. Yep, running custom software. Yep. They're creating these bespoke siloed monolithic platforms that are less and less general computing platforms and less and less Linux compatible. You can often get it to work, but like with the Surface – It only works great on a couple of versions of them. There's a couple of hurdles you have to go through. Or like on the MacBook, it works pretty good, especially if you do this and you install this patch set against your Linux kernel, then you're really in a pretty good position and we have these stories like even for Chromebooks mm-hmm. yeah you can get it to work pretty good especially if you buy this Chromebook and you do this thing to the bootloader or just you make remove sure you this don't screw. forget to
5: push the thing and then you or you delete your thing yeah
0: this is becoming more and more commonplace, especially as general purpose vendors have less and less incentive to be in the PC business as the x86 platform is making less and less money for people, they're just going off and making their own products, these narrow siloed products. So I want to talk about that and how I feel like that's a particular bad, bad, bad precedence for Linux. First, I want to let Paul Allen buzz the studio. He's
5: having a great
0: time. Paul Allen's having a good time. I'm good. I'm really glad, As long as one of us is. But uh, in in route to get there, I wanted to first talk about uh, System76. They have the Oryx Pro. They've recently revved a 4K. Now, um, I've I've experimented a bit. I've got one of the Dell machines. Mm -hmm. It's like a Sputnik edition that has a 4K monitor. And I found that there's some rough edges, but overall not too bad. And so when System76 announced the Oryx Pro with a 4K screen, they did it in a way that was sort of more intriguing than average because they said, we also made some tweaks. We made some we made some changes. We made some, some patches. We've sent these upstream to make 4K Linux even better. And I thought this would be an interesting way to discuss this because System76 is one of the few vendors in the general x86 platform space... That is all in on Linux. Now, there's others. Uh, I just mentioned earlier, like you're working on my uh, Apollo Entroware right, right yep. there. There's uh, Reason, there's, there's Dell, like I said just a second ago, ships a Linux machine. There's other vendors in the space. So It's not like the oxygen has been sucked out of the room, but it definitely feels like when I climb up a hill, I'm starting to hyperventilate a bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought maybe we could segue into this discussion because Ryan, uh, Mr. Ryan Sipes, has joined us from System 76, and I think he has a few insights in the new Oryx Pro. So, Ryan, welcome back to the Unplugged program, sir.
8: Hey, it's, I'm happy to be back.
0: So, uh, Mr. Sipes, uh, what, uh, what's the uh, lowdown on this new Oryx Pro? Rumor has it there may have been a few tweaks, and I'm wondering when System 76 started to go 4K, did they find like everything just worked great out of the box? Or is this one of those things where you kind of have to ship a custom image to make everything work? And what led you from point A to point B? Go for it.
8: So we are really, really focused on producing a good product that feels good from the ground up. And uh, one thing that prevented us from shipping 4K earlier was we just didn't feel like it was a very solid experience. Um, Some people have not had You know, a a bad experience, but I've heard a lot of folks who, you know, purchase like the Sputnik and they're like, well, if you just run stock Ubuntu, there are a lot of problems and it's not really the best experience. And so uh, we were kind of waiting for um, Ubuntu and Unity to really have excellent 4K support um, before we shipped. And ultimately, we we kept testing it, you know, once every week or every other week. And then finally, um, we realized, hey, this isn't so bad. We could probably send some patches upstream and, and work with some developers uh, over at uh, Canonical and Ubuntu in, in the Ubuntu community and really make it uh, a very nice experience. And so... Uh, we started working on that, and and yeah, I've got I've got a list of things that we did, um, and I'd like to share that with your group yeah, here. Yeah, because
0: I'm you know I'm curious, Ryan. You know, my experience with uh, with Ubuntu out of the out of the box is uh, it's it's not aware that I'm on a high DPI display, but. I can go in there, I can drag that little scaling slider up a bit, and the launcher looks better, and you know, stuff generally looks like it renders better. So I'm assuming what you guys did was more than just, by default, set that DPI scaler to higher.
8: Yeah, that's one of the changes that we made, and we do that through our our driver that ships with every machine. But we also uh, have been working with the Unity developers, and I have to give a shout-out to... Um, our engineers, um, both Jason Rose and really um, David Jordan, who uh, I think you may have shared a video of him once when talking about System76 uh, on one of your podcasts, but he's he's been doing the lion's share of the work uh, on making adjustments and, and making patches to make this all really a great experience. And then uh, Cassidy, Who's part of the elementary project. He's our web developer. He's actually the guy who's been pushing really hard for, um, 4k for us to ship a 4k machine for, for a while Good now. Good man. man.
0: Nice. Shout out to Cassidy. And,
8: and he, uh, he has done a ton of, of testing as well. And I, him and David have both sent, uh, filed lots of bug, um, reports as well as, um, sent patches where they could. Uh, so we, we, so I know David's been working with um, some of the Unity developers to get proper high DPI scaling support into the unit, into Unity and the Unity settings daemon. And uh, he also went ahead and set the scaling in our, our driver. So if somebody gets one of our machines, it's all out of the box. It's already got the proper scaling. We also set the console fonts um, on the virtual uh, terminal so that it's the proper size oh, that's nice out of the touch.
0: box. Yeah, for sure. Nice touch.
8: We also have been filing bugs against applications that are used on Ubuntu, but aren't quite perfect because of the toolkit that they use. And so, for instance, like GIMP with the scaling settings looks looks okay, but um, really a lot of these applications, not just GIMP, could use, like, if they're GTK2 apps, if they're to GTK3, they have a much better support for high DPI displays. And so we've been trying to work with those projects and file big reports to say like, hey, um, this this is something that you guys should be thinking about. And then uh, we've also been identifying the issues and documenting them al- along with known solutions or workarounds. So we one of those things we documented was where to get a high DPI theme for GIMP. Um, and we're going to be releasing that in a blog post and then also a support doc for anybody out there who's using a high DPI display to take advantage of. And it will just have a ton of resources for um, how to change settings so that they better support high DPI or in the case of things like GIMP and other projects, like where maybe to download a, the high DPI theme or something like that. Um, and then finally, we're we're talking about backporting the... Um, default theme in 1610 to 1604 because it's a little bit crisper and uh, it just looks better uh, in high DPI and we still ship some uh, we still ship machines with the LTS. So we think that people would appreciate that.
0: Hmm. Ryan, what's your sense of the conflict between creating a product that is unique and stands out? So in this case, high resolution display. Uh, maybe better battery life things that you want it you guys want to ship as a company as a product how much of there is, how much discussion happens internally from well what can we what can we break off as our own driver PPA and package and we're just gonna say. This is where we're going to deviate from the norm, from, from the Ubuntu base. And how much does trying to stick to the Ubuntu base weigh on you when when System76 is making a decision? Because what I'm hearing a little bit, and I think this is perfectly understandable, is in order to make a, a standout competitive product, System76 is having to go more off into the weeds a bit and, and do some of their own engineering, do some of their own presets, uh, configure some of these things out of the box that are – forking a bit from the Ubuntu defaults and probably forking in a way, not forking is the right way, but uh, deviating in a way that uh, makes for a better product. How, how, how much of a line is that to walk internally? Do you have a sense of that?
8: So we always do that to some extent. And also we, unlike other um, vendors that are shipping computers, we are shipping an open source operating system. So there's some onus on us to Contribute where we can. Uh, the 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 thing is, it it would be nice to see um, maybe more uh, on the part of people reaching out to to vendors like us and and uh maybe helping to plan around a release and this goes for like sputnik as well i'm not sure how how often dell the dell team over there talks to canonical or the ubuntu community but when working on this release it would be nice to have maybe some more communication but but uh i guess i guess that that could be achieved via the community route and uh and oftentimes we don't with this, we didn't want to be really loud about it in the community and raise a bunch of issues on behalf of system 76 for for the 4k high DPI product because we were worried about you know running into serious issues and not being able to ship it, but having gotten people's hopes up. Mm. but uh, but the but at the same time, I guess to answer your question, um, there's a lot of onus that that fell on us with this with this product, but we couldn't have shipped anything else because of our dedication to not shipping a substandard product, and we wanted to make sure that high DPI support was really solid. Yeah, before we shipped it out,
0: I have heard uh, from probably fifty different listeners that said, uh, "Yeah, a system that I can put five terabytes of storage in and get four K four K display, I'm going to buy that." Yeah, yeah, that's that. You know, I, I look at that and I go, as long as all of the applications you need are available under Linux, there's really no reason that that wouldn't work as a as a serious workhorse. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a nice machine. Um and uh there, I there I think, you know, for myself as a as a I don't wanna I don't want to classify myself as or label myself as doing a particular thing, but I don't when I look at buying a, a a laptop to run Linux, I I could give I could really give two shits about the out-of-the-box experience of the installed OS because If it's going to be Ubuntu Unity, I'm I'm likely going to be reloading anyways to Arch and Gnome 3. And so I really want fantastic hardware for me to get my work done. Um, And uh, I I really think that this is probably one of the best machines out there. I haven't tried the uh, 4K Oryx. I would love to get my hands on it and try it because I am a high DPI Linux skeptic. I I, I believe it on some platforms, on Mm -hmm. some desktops, and on others I'm a total skeptic. So I I think that's one of the things that's really tricky about 4K under Linux is it absolutely uh, depends on your implementation. If you think you're gonna go run XFCE under 4K, screw you. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you're off on your own. I know it can be done. You're yeah. Fine. You know what? Put your put your glasses on and squint. Fine. But it it really is gonna depend on your implementation. So that's why I'm curious about some of the tweak system 76 has made. I'm curious about people people that end up with a 4K Oryx. And load GNOME 3 on there, something GTK 3.22 with beautiful high DPI support. Uh, I got an email a couple of days ago from somebody that said Linux high DPI support is a disaster. It is just totally unbaked. It is unusable. And I was reading it on a machine that's high DPI that I've literally had zero high DPI issues. I have a MacBook Retina 15-inch that you set up right here live on this show uh running arch with uh, gnome 3.22 right now all high dpi and no problems really anything that's gtk is just looks great it just it looks 3. it looks better than mac os looks on the same hardware it really honestly does and i'm not yeah. i just absolutely just looks better it looks so good uh so when i am and i'm reading this guy's email where he tells me how high dpi support totally doesn't work under linux and I'm like, well, yeah, you're using you're using XFCE. Yeah, exactly. That's what you should expect right now. I'm sorry. And so the implementation really, really matters. And, and I, sometimes
5: even the b- programs you end up using and what toolkit they use. and – yeah, I, think the,
0: I think the majority of our audience just needs access to very powerful hardware with great resolution screens. And they will figure out if they want to run Unity with the System76 uh, package installed or if they want to run GNOME 3 or if they want to run Plasma 5 exactly. or Unity. I, I, it's just a great machine, I, I suspect. And I mean it's only a yeah. good
5: thing if more people have access to 4K hardware, can start figuring things out, You mm-hmm. know, helping the community figure out what we need to do better.
8: Yeah, and we're we're going like I said, we're going to release a blog post that has some of the things that we've noticed still kind of suck under 4K, and I'm hoping that the hive mind here can, you know, help out those people working on those projects, or at least file bugs when they get their hands on, for instance, the 4K orcs. Uh, the the there are some things about the orcs that. I want to share because I work for the company and it's.
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, uh,
8: okay. I would love to take this time to use my 10 minutes of, of fame to uh, put a bug in their ear. Uh, so f- one thing that we heard a lot during the MacBook Pro blow up mm. was, why aren't you shipping a 4K device? And uh, we are now shipping a 4K device. And it has 3.1 million more pixels than the MacBook Pro Retina. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, the Oryx Pro, a lot of people talk about its size. Well, that's what you get when you put a desktop grade GPU in a laptop. And I would love to see somebody uh, use some of the same applications side by side on a MacBook Pro. And the Oryx and tell me which one they want to use for their day to day work on on accomplishing big boy stuff.
0: Ryan, how uh, many times do you guys get questions asking if they if they can be hackintoshed? Because I've probably gotten about <laughs> thirty five emails asking if the Oryx Pro can be hackintoshed. You guys get that? you know? <laughs> I get that a lot. Like and they're not gonna not run Linux. Right. Uh, I just
5: want all three of that triple I,
0: boot goodness. I would tell you my 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 semi educated guess would be ain't going to work because the GTX ten graphics card there's OS ten doesn't ha- there's no Mac that ships with with good graphics so <laughs> you're kind of luck there. So
8: I get that question quite a lot, um, but uh, one thing I will say that that I'm hoping that all of um, Linux will benefit from is uh, recently we started working pretty closely with. Um, a couple guys over at nvidia and uh we have a direct line to them now and we've used that relationship mm. to improve the people's experience on you know using uh nvidia and and say like hey this is a problem you know and and talk about things that need to be patched um so uh
0: that's great yeah wow.
8: i would so i would it, i say that to encourage people to uh, if you can you know don't throw mac OS on this beautiful machine <laughs> <laughs> run, uh, run linux on it and and uh we're we're making sure that the hardware just works out of the box and is a great experience and um, there's other stuff coming down the pike that I think people using these machines will really appreciate and so uh, give us a shot you know i the uh we put a lot of um blood sweat and tears into this release specifically and uh we'd love to have this be the set the standard for what a 4k device can be with linux preloaded and to your earlier point and i think we're you're going to talk about this more uh as far as we know we are the largest linux only vendor in the world at this point so just want to put that out there um so I would encourage folks to give us a try. We have a 30-day uh, um, guarantee. So if you don't love the machine, uh, we'll refund you.
0: You know what, uh, Ryan? You you should get a bonus stipend as a natural salesman. You are great at that. Uh, and I think that was pretty well said. It is uh, – I think – I think System 76 has uh, really gotten a lot of people's attention just based on the emails I've gotten so uh, from Coder Radio. So just a side note, right, totally. Michael Dominic has uh, recently gotten the lemur, and I would encourage you if you're curious to hear about a Mac OS primary. He's a he's a developer, and he just really cares about shipping apps, and he has been switching from a app store creating fo- creating phone apps for Android and iOS to server side apps. And when he started looking at doing more and more server-side stuff, it, he kind of started looking at developing, developing for Ubuntu. That's right. And uh, he needed a new machine. It all kind of lined up, and he got a Lemur. And the first couple of weeks, like he hit – the first couple of weeks went really good. A couple of weeks in, he hit some road bumps. And now he's like five weeks in, and he's like sprinted past them. And uh, they're all kind of documented like the last four or five weeks of Coda Radio. Uh, if you're curious at all and want to go check that out, just to hear, a com- you know, somebody who's switching for completely practical reasons, has not real work to get done. not for advocacy reasons, and uh, yeah, it's fascinating because, like, in the latest episode, he goes on his trip for a family trip, and he can only take one machine with him. Yeah, so he and brings he, the lemur. Huh? He brings the lemur. Ooh, and that nice. yeah, that was interesting. So, anyways, I I, I want to now talk about a little bit, Wes, just just your thoughts on um, 2020. Year twenty twenty,
5: the
2: future.
0: Microsoft's making like the Studio Three. Apple's m- still shipping the same exact MacBook they ship today, but it's got this Touch Bar on it still, right? So but they the have Touch done, Bar. It's
5: like twice as big.
0: They, no, they don't do anything. it's just it's the same exact Mac. Uh, and 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 uh, more PC vendors are falling by the wayside. Is this a legitimate scenario in your mind? Is this something that we should actually worry about? Are we heading towards this monolithic vendor platform where the general PC that you throw together is going to be extinct? Because and, And one last thing before I completely throw it to you is I'll tell you what. Hand on heart. It seems like it is getting shittier and shittier to build your own PC. Like you order – say you're going to build like four or five PCs at once. You order the parts off. Oh, I don't know. That goes – those jerks over at Newegg. And uh, they all show up and two out of the three parts don't work. <laughs> and when you – now when you build a PC, it's constantly, yeah, well, do I have to RMA this part? Is this Shipping not the right thing? Back. It's yeah. the worst. It has gotten. It has gotten. If you do one PC and all your sh- and all your parts show up and everything works, good for you. Congratulations, you win the internet for the day. But for those of us that might try to build multiple machines at once, and you get all of the same effing parts, it's not like you get all dear weird parts. All three of the same motherboard, three of the same video card, three of the same sticks of RAM, etc., etc., etc. Think you'll
5: forever be burned by this.
0: Well, it just recently happened to the beard too. Oh no! Yeah. Well, we'll t- I'm sure he'll tell you all about it on User Air coming up. Anyways, wow. my point is it's getting to be shitty out there. For those of us that want a general PC platform based on the x86 chip that I can just throw Linux on there. Thank God there's still vendors out there shipping Linux-specific machines. But I am worried about the year 2020, Wes. And do you share my uh, chicken little outlook or do you think things are just going to be fine and dandy? For those of us who want an, a non-secure boot, non-lockdown, non-arm-licensed platform that we can just install linux and get work right. done
5: i think it's, it's plausible um, i think you will i think there's still a large uh, inertia in like the enterprise sector i think dell uh has that you know pretty well done and, and their competitors in that arena in terms of like business workstations uh just just for right now i don't know how long that will take but i do think what you're saying is very plausible in the consumer space, kind of the mobile phoneification of these, you know, as and then it's a couple large vendors. It starts getting blurred between like, what do they make? It's a tablet, it's a tablet and a computer. Oh, your computer is just a big touch screen. You know, where does this draw? So I could definitely see that people will get used to buying in that model, you know, a normal computer where you just have an LCD monitor that isn't a touch screen, where you have a keyboard or a mouse, unless you're doing like a lot of work at home or, you know, you can't get like a nice little keyboard. I could see a lot of people doing that, especially, and then maybe they still have their Dell OEM thing at work for their you know engineering job or something. Mm, okay. But I don't know where that puts a consumer person, you know, who just wants to buy one, doesn't need to buy a thousand. It probably will mean that market shrinks. It may mean that. Building your own computer is no longer less expensive or even competitive with buying something that you could get, and you may just need to start doing things like maybe, uh, you know, the, the people like System seventy six still competing or IX systems and get yourself built a custom system. But I definitely see see it, it could be bleak. We'll see. We'll see how just how bad it gets, though.
0: Uh, anybody in the Momba room want to jump in on the topic before we move on? If you have any thoughts on the year twenty twenty and how it's going to look for the general PC platform and loading Linux, I know it's kind of out there. Um, but it's something I've been thinking about when I look at like the response to the mm-hmm. Surface Studio and people are like, "Oh my God, Microsoft is innovating! Oh man, this is incredible! Look at them!" and "Oh, the touch bar!" Like, any, any, anyway, anybody in the mumble room have any thoughts on that?
2: I still think that um, going second, <clears throat> let me see, going hand would be better. Or I still believe in building your own. I know you've had issue, and maybe Rekai kind of has issue, but that doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to. And most people that I know who still build know that's going to be a thing, that they watch out for that. So unfortunately, it's a thing that you have to watch out for, yeah, so uh, yeah. keep in mind, yeah, and yeah. it'll always be there. But yeah, I feel the, like building your own is the ultimate. And me personally... I still try to build my own, but also if someone's asking me or a family member or a friend, I still try to suggest something that will be Linux friendly. Mm. Like Dell still does XPS with Linux. You know, um System Center D six is definitely up, up there. Introware. Um even Purism. But I mean, you know, I try to Just do that because I feel I'll I'll
0: say this too, uh, just in defense of Build Drone, the systems that we successfully, where the hardware works and all of those, those systems are so unbelievably rock solid. They're like the best computers ever. In fact, that computer right there is a system we built years ago that was first built as a Hackintosh. Uh, then it, it was the main presentation machine that I used for visuals on the stream. Then it was my primary workstation. Then it was a temporary wow. editing system for Linux Fest Northwest. And now it's our mumble slash Skype system. And it's got to be six years old. And it is a custom build system that has just been a rock-solid, totally great performer. Uh, but Bitmux, I wanted to give you a chance to jump in on why you're not really so worried about uh, the commodity market drying up. Go ahead.
5: I think it's definitely
8: going to shift. I think we'll see perhaps a, a reduction in number of individual parts available, or a number of manufacturers available making motherboards and individual parts and pieces. But NVIDIA is not going away, and ASUS and Intel, they're not going to go away. And they're always going to be building hardware um, that's going to work in the server market, because obviously that's not mm. going away either. So I think x86, I mean, as a platform, is going to be competed with by, other other platforms. Arm is already competing, and yes, it's closed. And yes, that's not good. However, I don't think it's going to disappear on us until you get something like quantum computing or some completely generational leap, in which case I'm not too worried that the Linux community
0: is not going to jump on board there, if yeah. it's at all possible. I like that. Yeah. That's a fair take. I think, that sounds, I think that sounds pretty rational. And Mr. Sipes, I'll give you the closing thought on the topic. Go ahead, Ryan.
8: So, the only thing about building your own and i i have a machine beside me that i built a couple years back that that i still love and it works great is that when you build your own they have no idea the vendors of like for instance nvidia and intel and the motherboard have no idea what operating system that you're running on that machine and so uh versus like buying something from System76 or another Linux vendor, those people are actively saying to the folks, the vendors, like, hey, we're running Linux on this. All these purchases that are that we purchased from you are for Linux machines, and that equals voting with your wallet. And so you see better Linux support as a result of that. There's a reason why NVIDIA is how we're now able to talk to Nvidia directly and that's because we've managed to buy enough of their products that it's worth their time to have a conversation with us. And so there is an element when you buy a machine of uh, voting with your voting with your wallet. And mm-hmm. that's why yeah. I discourage people from buying Windows machines with Windows licenses because that's being chalked up to another Windows sale which means more more time and resources going into making sure that that hardware supports Windows well and not into making it support Linux well. And uh, this was one of the reasons that I joined System76 so that we could have, uh, you know, so that I could help a company that's going to make Linux a better experience on, on hardware, period. And so I would just ask that everybody take that into account before you before you buy a machine from like Lenovo that's got windows pre-installed and throw Linux on it, you know, think about what that is, what you're voting for. You're voting oh. for secure boot.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> Get it out of
0: here. Gollum has been thrown down, Mr. Sykes. I like it. And I, I tend, I tend to agree. In fact, I often, you know, I talk about, I talk about voting with your wallet in a, in a, in a big sense, because I think it just being able to represent that market is, is pretty important. And I I don't know if until you really think about it, you don't you know it might not cross your mind. You know, you look at oh I look for this kind of thing, I want this keyboard, or I want the nipple here, or I I want the this this functionality that does this. And that's sort of what predominantly might drive your decision. But as you sort of look at this from an advocacy standpoint, you do have to think. Well, what is in my best long-term interest as the platform that I want to use to get my work done? You know, for me, I not only do I use Linux because I love it, right? I love it, Wes. Love. I love it. But I use Linux because it's the best platform for me to get my work done, my work West the work the stuff the stuff that I use that pays the bills that puts the cereal in my children's mouth right the they work, love
5: that cereal
0: well unfortunately yeah. the work I do depends on Linux and so when you think about it in a platform that makes you money uh it, it's a whole it's a whole different way of thinking about it it's a whole different perspective it's a whole different lens to, to look at Linux and your investment in its long term success. The reason you want to use Linux as a general computing platform is because it doesn't have that strategy tax. And and the way to make it a successful long-term platform on desktop hardware is by voting with your wallet and buying from companies that support Linux out of the box. And I I mean I am I'm often tempted, you know, because uh, myself, I, I I I have a workflow that works best with Final Cut. So I'm tempted, like, gosh, it would be nice to have a faster laptop that I do will boot. Final Cut, right. I mean Mac, Mac, uh, uh, Mac OS, whatever they call called. Uh, essentially, Final Cut OS and Arch there Desktop, right? That's what I would like to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's tempting uh, from just like a I can get more work done faster standpoint. It's very practical. And it's very like right now. You know what it means is if this if I can get this done faster, that means I get to go sit on the couch and snuggle sooner. And that is what it's really about. Yep. It's about being able to YouTube and chill. I don't want to have to work extra. When I can have a machine that does a job faster. And so when I look at that Oryx and I look at other systems like that that are just super ass fast, I just, I, I, oh man, I hope more and more professionals go that way. So that way one day my workflow is available on there. I, I, I can do like 98% of my it gets job. closer
5: every year, but it's like not quite. And nothing.
0: now I am so close. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like on the boat and I'm starving and I can see the coast, but I can't yet get to land. It's torturous. So, Mr. West, you have the Apollo there running Fedora 25 it's supposedly. I mean, you. I don't know yet. I just noticed that you have given me back the uh, gauntlet here, the uh, red Toshiba 16-gigabyte right. thumb drive. The flag has been laid down. So let's find out if you went into legacy boot mode, if you had, to, if you used EUFI, and if Fedora 25 was booting. But first, Linux Academy. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged is where you go to support the show. It's a platform created... By Linux Enthusiast, for those of you who want to learn more about Linux, make some money, improve your career or your skill set, or even just challenge yourself, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. That's where you go to support this show and sign up for a seven-day free trial. I like this because it doesn't matter sort of what your bent is on training. If you want to go after certs, they have course tracks for you. If you want to just actually improve your skill set, they have hands-on scenario-based labs to give you real-world experience on real servers. If you're interested in like certain types of content, they have learning paths that give you highlights on those particular tracks. And the other thing that's really nice is if you're a company, they have team accounts. So a bunch of you can work together. So you're going to implement something new at your business and you want to train everybody on it. Linux Academy has courseware on that. They just recently closed another round of funding. And every time they do that, they invest back into the courseware. It just gets better and better. Improve on the existing courseware and then create new stuff that, I mean, Like, at first, when they launched the, uh, I'll be honest, when they launched the Azure
4: course, I was like, really?
0: Azure? But now, like, months months and months later, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously. Of course. Because it's not just the essentials, like how you build a Linux system or how it works or how you fundamentally interact with Linux or how you do some of the basic networking essentials. But it's all of the stuff around Linux, too, as a
5: platform. And I think that shows that they're not, you know, they're not playing catch-up. They're giving you things like... When they're hot, you know, and, and before when when Linux Academy sees that people are really using them, work's getting done. They are professionals in the industry, so they know.
0: And it's kind of nice, too. If you're a listener of this show, you're going to love the community. It's stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members because they've been a sponsor with us since the very beginning. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the unplugged program. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. So I want to ask Ike, uh, Mr. Solus. On Twitter, Mr. At Solus Project on Twitter, uh, the, the the heart behind Solus, a distribution that puts the middle finger to everybody else's face and does it its own way, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I I really got to respect it because it's it really is a desktop operating system designed for modern computing. We were talking about it on the pre-show, which maybe will be in the post-show of this show, uh, that sort of makes Solus stand out from a, a woe that I was suffering under Arch. And uh, we've kind of been checking with Ike over the year as uh, he's uh, been doing major improvements. And, of course, Josh is a longtime mm-hmm. community member as well, and he's stopped by. And so I've been thinking about something recently that seems impossible, and it's only going to get me trolled. So I thought Ike would be the best person to consult, obviously. So, Ike, welcome back to the Linux Unplug show. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to genuinely, and I, I really, truly mean this. I wanted to test the the usability feel of different desktop environments and distributions, like comparing KDE Plasma and KWin to say GNOME, Clutter, Mutter, GNOME Shell, and just the feel of all. Like, how do you measure the feel of something? And and the reason why I thought of you, Ikey, is because. Uh, Solus feels like it's one of those distributions where how 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 the desktop feels, how fast it feels, how the how it all goes together, how software is installed, how all of that feels is part of the consideration. It's it's one of those unquantifiable things that almost just comes down to taste and perception. And so I feel like maybe this is an impossible goal of mine, but I was I wanted to pick your brain as not just a distro maintainer, but as somebody who's thinking about the feel of it all the time. How do you measure it? How do I how do I review and benchmark it?
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of a case of benchmarking real performance versus perceived performance, which is how fast the user thinks something is. And the the changes we've had in operating systems in the last few years, especially with the advent of system D, with having things start later in the boot process, we've kind of moved towards perceived performance. Um, as an example, when you log into your desktop, your networking isn't actually ready yet. It's starting up and then it's ready after you've logged in. So I think that's more of the question, isn't it? Like, how do users think things are fast even if they're not? Um, I mean, the best example of that really is uh, with material design. It's completely focused on the perceived performance of something, mm. which is why you have short, snappy animations that can't be beyond say 300 milliseconds and they've got to use circular tweening so it doesn't look like there's any delay in the start and end of any animation and i think that's what it all really comes down to is how fast does it really look does it feel like it's responding immediately to a click and as an example of that one of the quite clever tricks i've seen in unity 8 is even if an application is not launched yet there is a window there and that window is a placeholder until that application is ready You see something similar in Endless OS as well, where they have a placeholder window waiting for the application to load. You have a spinner, and then the application's there. So it feels like the system's responding immediately. The alternative would be something like LibreOffice, where it doesn't show up for a couple of seconds, and then you see that window. So you're thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, it's slower on this distro. I I don't know why. It, It just seems like this distro is slower. And we've had that said about Solus as well. LibreOffice feels slower on solos it actually takes the same amount of time to start up it's just that splash window doesn't show at the same time so it's not really a case of real performance is being measured anymore it's how long did the user wait for a reaction to an input event
0: that's kind of what i was thinking like and, and measuring like how the windows move across the screen as you drag them and things like that like what's that what's that impact like when you when you move something, when you interact with an object on the screen. Right, and there's probably an element too
5: of, you know, like uh, where's the user's focus in this event, so as long as that that part is snappy and responsive you can have other things in the background that they're not paying attention to.
1: Yeah, and they have to feel like they've got absolute control, so the right, example right. of the window, something I remember from Compass a couple of years ago dragging the window across the screen it felt like the window was slightly drifting it yeah, wasn't quite totally. stuck to the mouse and it's like, <laughs> okay is this just slow or something? It just wasn't slow, that was at the time, that was the cool thing to do because it was gliding across. It the had desktop. an inertia, yeah, yeah. But nowadays, it's like no, it's got to be exactly where I am. It's got to be the immediate second I do something, it's reacting. But that that also has the downside of nowadays. it's let's have spinny bars and progress bars and radial progresses everywhere instead of actually making the thing itself faster or asynchronous. All
0: right, so just between cone of silence between us. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> uh, I don't. Uh, so you have. I I, under, I understand pretty clearly on the plasma desktop. You got KWin, which is responsible for throwing all the shit up on the screen. And under GNOME three, you've got Mutter, right? I think so far I'm 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 on track. Mm-hmm. And under under Unity, you have Comp is. What do I have on Solus that is throwing the shit up on the screen? You know, and maybe t- theoretically talking to my GPU.
1: So at the moment, with uh, well, with the Budgie desktop, we make use of Modder as well. Now, to make a distinction, because people often get the impression that Budgie is a gnome shell that's not gnome shell, <laughs> we use some of the same libraries, but basically... I don't like Mother anymore, and I know I'll get flack for that, but it, it's for GNOME Shell. It should be for GNOME Shell. I shouldn't be using it anymore. So basically, the way it works with Mother and that particular pipeline is actually quite heavy. So instead of just having a window is to direct, rendering directly to this bit of memory and it's shown on your display, because you're using compositing, that's actually shown. That's actually rendered to a buffer first and then the compositor basically does them all... You know, it's compositing them, so you've got all these different windows, and it's making a new texture out of them before it shows them to the GPU. In Modder itself, you've got several layers for that. You've got Coggle, you've got um, Clutter itself, and now they have private forks inside that. So Clutter is basically the scene graph on top of Coggle, which is a GL abstraction layer, on top of OpenGL. So, yeah, so there's quite a few layers. Now, in terms of... Noam shell, and one of the questions people ask before about Modder, and they ask it for us in Budgie as well, is why don't you implement better effects? The chief among them that everybody wants is from Compass, right? It's blurs. Everybody wants a blur behind the window or a panel because Mm. iOS made it sexy. So I investigated the same thing uh, for Budgie myself, but the way in which Modder is set up with the pipeline and process, I can't apply, say, like you would in a game, you just apply a shader, right? And you've got that bit of transparency there. Well, you know, obviously, to blur that bit behind it, you have your z-index, that's all fine. The way that things are done in Mudder is completely different. Each one of them is a, sec- is a separate object on the frame buffer, right? Mm. So you would then have to apply behind that object. You'd have to read the pixels behind for every time you did a render, yeah. which would make something like a blur effect incredibly expensive on Mudder but if you was to say I don't know write a new compositor then perhaps it wouldn't be so if, oh hmm. if, a, if a new
0: compositor were to come along that would be a bigger undertaking for someone yeah to do. like
1: say I don't know if it was a goal for budgie 12 to drop the last oh. of the GNOME components because budgie eleven were departing from budgie, uh, from gnome basically hmm. and budgie 12 we'll see is completely disconnected from the the underpinnings of gnome itself so we still want to be compatible with gnome applications don't get me wrong gnome apps are kind of cool <laughs> but the way that we went about it is a lot of the time budgie pretends to be gnome shell to make things work like oh. keyboard shortcuts yeah because that's the way the gnome stack has gone in the way it's not really as reusable as it once was uh gnome settings demon when you take a screenshot it tries to talk to shell debugs. so things like that we have to pretend so budgie 11 time to remove all that budget, it'll be completely removed. I not even mother will be left. Hint, hint.
0: So, I, what I'm hearing is, I mean, sort of indirectly, is if I want the absolute smoothest desktop, I should probably use KWin still. I mean, I like that's what, or I should. Is there a way to use KWin uh, as my compositor? Because. I don't know. I want to test super smooth desktops and I'm worried – I'm honestly worried that Mutter is going to fail this test is what I'm thinking. And all of the desktops that use Mutter will probably fail as well.
1: Basically, yeah. I mean (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> Moderate itself i mean it works for gnome shell it, it does what they want to do and i don't want to knock that but for what we want out like the of, of, us other guys who are thinking beyond gnome shell what we want from the desktop which is you know mm-hmm. like super fluid and a, a genuine open gl compositor and hopefully vulcan in future but i know they're not receptive to that at the moment then yeah kwin is probably your best option because Compass is basically, you've got two versions of Compass. You've got Unity and you've got Mate, uh, and yeah, you could probably make your own custom desktop session using KWin. <laughs> okay,
0: all right, all right. Whippy, do you have any thoughts as far as as this stuff kind of matters, is the end user experience? I mean, I'm not, I don't actually, I'm not clear on how this works with the Mate desktop. I know with Ubuntu Mate, I can switch to Compass, I can switch to software rendering. And I, I generally switch to compass if I can. And I, I'm wondering if you have any kind of closing thoughts on this particular topic.
6: So in the Mate tweak, you can switch between different window managers and compositors. And if you install uh, Metacity and Mutter, they will appear as things that you can switch to in Mate tweak. And the reason that Mutter has never been you know installed or advocated by myself is because it it's completely inappropriate for the Mate desktop, just as as Aiki described. It's not not a window manager that I should be using, and I'll actually pull that intelligence out of Mate tweak that runs with that. Um, with regards to Compiz, um, I made some changes to Compiz that adds the Mate support so that it comes pre-bundled with a set of plugins, sanely configured for... For the Mate desktop specifically.
0: Now I feel like I should go on a KWin bender. Should I have installed uh,
2: KDE on uh, here? I'm thinking, As well here?
0: yeah, I'm thinking so. So Wes, how did it go? Let's uh, let's tune in here real quick to find out. It's for people who like to mess with computers.
2: Oh, I secretly use
0: Arch Linux. So how did the uh, Fedora 25 challenge go for you, Wes? How did it turn out? Were you able to get it to boot? <phone rings>
5: Yeah, I don't know what you man how you managed to screw that up,
0: Chris, but uh here, give it a shot. It worked, no problem. You know what I think it was is I just said like here, reclaim all the space, hit enter, and then I let it then I let it go. So uh Oh look at that, Wes, Starts look at right that up. right there, right into the uh right Boom, boom. That's nice, Wes. That looks good. I will say it's, it's on did, the Wi-Fi.
5: Uh, it's on the Wi-Fi, ready for your use. I will say uh, you have two hard drives in there. It mm-hmm. did use both of them, uh, so it set up uh, a yeah. ext4 on top of
0: LVM it has yeah. a
5: swap partition as well.
0: So hopefully that's what you want. That was what I tried to do originally. So yeah. that's perfect. Wow, very nice. You know, so what, what were your you know just quick impressions using the Apollo? What'd you think?
5: I like that machine. It's yeah, very, I could see getting a lot of work done on that. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be
0: nice. I feel like it's a five-year machine.
5: Yes, definitely. It's a good size, it's a good weight, and it looks premium. I feel like that metal look is not going anywhere, so yeah. you know. And I'm years, just like find... I'm
0: sitting here holding it with one hand just tossing yeah, exactly. it around and it still and feels I love super back keyboard. Yeah. So Fedora 25, this will be probably one of my primary drivers, but I think I might uh I think I might try the I'm sure there's a KDE version, right? I've never really done that during a Fedora review, so that'll be weird for me. I should probably get ISOs downloading or something. Because you don't, there's no, there's no option when you install Fedora. It's just no. It just, there's no like you don't choose your desktop yeah, environment. It's this bin. So you're gonna yeah. That's oh, right. There it is. All right. Well, so uh, I think that's that's probably all we have. I think we're probably done. Now I got a machine. I got to go try. I got Fedora twenty five. There's so
2: much more Linux to
0: do. I got I got a K bender I got to go on. Uh, real quickly, I was just gonna mention too that uh, Ike just uh, had a new update go out. The Solus uh, project just shipped a kernel four point eight eight support. And some junk From- for you
1: AMD GPU users, which is probably nobody cares. What? What? We have four point eight point ten. Where have you been?
0: What? <laughs> I'm I'm reading Twitter right now. I'm reading the Twitter oh, that's right now.
1: Old. Yeah, I mean we got four point eight point ten in since then. Oh. Um, well, all right.
0: Yeah, we get even all the Vegas. In- you were supposed to talk about the ADA, AMD Radeon GPU junk because I was doing that to troll all of the AMD GPU users and. And they're going to hate me now. They're going to get so
1: Yeah, up. well, I mean, it's not as impressive as people think because everyone's getting excited about the AMD GPU stuff. Of course, we have the XORG drivers, and that stuff is all cool. Yeah. Uh, however, oh. the kernel support isn't there. You need 4.9 kernel to make use of the uh, South Island, is it? Whatever name it is they have. Anyway, <laughs> the AMD SI stuff you cannot use without the 4.9 kernel and enable an experimental option. So as much as the new AMD GPU driver's out and the new Radeon driver's out, they're still not going to make any difference without <laughs> the kernel. So, <laughs> yeah, they've got to yeah. wait till like, December the 4th, assuming that the 4.9 kernel doesn't slip back a week, which it may do. So it's, like, minimum <laughs> December the 4th before anyone gets to play with it, unless you want to run RC like a lunatic. So it'll be a good Christmas for AMD. My
0: kind of lunacy. That
1: yeah. Is- Good Christmas.
0: That is my kind of lunacy right there. Well, thank you guys all for joining us in the Mumble Room. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be doing a little post show discussion. But our Mumble Room is open to the public. If you'd like to hang out in our virtual lug, just go over to jblive.tv. We do this show live on Tuesdays. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find out when. Everybody always says, hey, Chris, when's unplugged? All these guys up in here, every day, every day, telegramming you during the show. You know it jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendars where you go to get it converted to your local time zone linuxactionshow.reddit.com is where you go to submit contact inform- or actually uh, input and contact information is at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact it's obvious Yep. Duh. Just go there duh do it I don't know what your problem is do it figure it out god you're so annoying right now I don't know why that's not obvious anyways <laughs> linux <laughs> unplug for- the show that does not hold your hand <laughs> And judges you along the way. (laughs) What? That's a hell of a pitch. Thanks for joining us. See you back here next week.
3: Most of the web runs on servers powered by Linux. That's true. You know what? That's a great point. And, you know, every time he says it, it sounds very authoritative. Most of the web runs on servers powered by Linux. It's like That's he knows. how reliable it is. He's Android so. phones are based on Linux. All Android phones run Linux. That's true. That's the operating system. That's, that's a good wow. point. You're, you're probably using Linux all the time. Maybe you don't even know it. Idiot. So you can get a free version of Linux. There are many, as I mentioned. Lazy. Ubuntu is a good one. Yeah. U-B-U-N-T-U dot uh-huh. com. That's Leo um, talking down.
5: You can download you can't spell. and
3: install it on your XP machine. You wipe. In fact, See, I would wipe out all of XP, XP and just install it. There, it rude. doesn't run Windows software very well. It does, in fact, run it, but not very well. But that's okay because it has uh, an entire Office suite available for it for free, Libre Office. It has all the software, you know, Photoshop clone called the. Gimp. I'm impressed he went with All the software you'd want is free and available on the Linux platform.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all fair. That's all a good point. But then, then Leo had a few drinks and he took a call. And mind you, this is all before Leo tried Linux. So he's he's a changed man yes. now. But before he had switched to Linux, he was drinking and somebody called in and uh, they asked. They asked Leo uh, about switching to Linux and this was his response after a couple of beers in.
3: It's for people who like to mess with computers. If you're and you know who you are. If you're somebody who doesn't want to mess with the I just want to surf the just want to buy something on Amazon, send an email to my kids, look at some
5: websites. <laughs> there you go. The image of him just frustrated and drunk trying to send pictures to people on the internet is just
0: – You know what? Awesome. I'm, damn, I'm damn impressed. He's still rocking. I think he got – did he get an Oryx actually? Speaking of Oryxes. Oh, maybe. He might have. Yeah. He might have. And I think he's still like – I think it's just might have now gotten replaced by the new MacBook Escape. I think it's just maybe now gotten replaced. I see. I see. But he was rocking the Oryx for a while. That's pretty cool. So, uh Mr. In, in,
4: in last Windows Weekly, he was rocking
2: the Oryx. Yeah, in the live show.
0: So, uh, jbtitles.com. dot Mr. Sipes, are you still in there? You had a point you wanted to make about Mutter and Elementary OS, which I wanted to pick up on.
8: Yeah, I don't know if uh, Ikey's still in here, but uh, it looks like he is. Yeah, you might talk he to. Is. You might talk to the uh, Elementary guys because they had a they had quite a few features that they actually. I guess helped write for Mutter, and then yes. at first the Mutter guys said they'd accept them, and then they 180 would on that, and so <laughs> <laughs> they share concerns about Mutter as well. So
0: is Gala of so so I, I'm car- so I, Elementary OS. So when I was thinking about this performance, like the feel benchmark, I was thinking I should try Compiz, Mutter, Gala, and Kwin. That seemed to be like the way to like mm-hmm. as like a I was like, but is that boring? Because that's just my curiosity. And then on top of that, like, what's the hardware should I use? Should they all be on Intel? Should it be an NVIDIA GTX 960 or a 10 series? Like, what's the bench? What should be the benchmark hardware that all of these get compared against? Mm -hmm.
2: That all. KWIN is part of the holy trinity in the Church of Neon.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you trying to get me to use KDE Neon again?
5: Praise
2: oh,
0: sh- All hail neon. All hail neon.
5: All hail
2: neon. <laughs> you, oh. you know, you keep uh, mentioning all these issues that KD completely solves. So you know, oh yeah, like I, what? I what, what issues? What
0: issues do I keep mentioning that KD solves?
4: That he oh, has, man. like, a, a scaling for high DPI. So.
0: Yeah, once you turn it on, once you go in there and turn it on, and still the mouse cursor never looks right. Come on, you're coming at me with high DPI support when I'm looking at elementary OS and GTK 3.22? You're coming at me with high DPI support? Really? Can I make a
1: comment about the high DPI support? Because there's something I slightly disagreed there with earlier. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned about the high DPI support on the devices. and Now, this is not a driver-level thing. Obviously, the drivers have to support the resolution. We know this. It needs to be 4K native. This is something at the toolkit and desktop level. This is not something you implement at a driver level. So I just wanted our, to correct that there.
8: Our driver is what we call our piece of our software p- repository that we ship with
1: You mean every the System76 driver package, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah.
8: And so no, it's not. It's not implemented at the driver level. It's it's just something that we we ship in order to handle those patches. Sure. That we do on
1: our- I just wanted to clarify in the word in there because you said driver. I got a bit confused <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, it's confusing to me too. But it's but <laughs> that's what. Uh,
8: <laughs> but we haven't yet changed the name of that package.
1: Okay, it's not There's like a, a system seventy six defaults kind of thing.
8: Yeah, it needs to right. be something like defaults or like. I don't know, extras or something like that.
0: Um, You can just play this episode
5: for people out there now and you'll have the argument one.
0: It's not X, it's Wayland is currently our top title. This is not bad. It's I also kind of like fun. mixed desktop feelings. That's yeah, not bad. I like that one as well. I really genuinely so. Okay, honest response. If I want a great Fedora desktop, can I get one with Katie with a recent version of the Plasma desktop right now? Is that possible on day one of Fedora twenty-five? I don't think it is. Right?
5: At least yes, I see you as is. spin ISO in. The, oh, you uh, did in the Slack channel. Yeah. Oh,
0: so there is today a spin with a modern Plasma desktop, and it's probably
4: pretty bare. But I think I'm going to give it a go.
2: You can get a modern uh, Plasma desktop
1: with uh, Katie and Neon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're not oh my convinced God. yet, Chris, Chris, if you're not convinced yet, Kaywin has the desktop cube.
0: So do you think Oh <laughs> okay. do you think I Okay, so maybe I, should, lamp too. maybe I should do the neon challenge in a little bit, but I gotta get through the Fedora twenty five review first. I gotta I gotta I gotta stay focused. Hey Chris, when's the next episode? Sunday. <laughs> I'm gonna review Fedora twenty five on Sunday, and then after that. I could be up for the so Neon like Challenge. A, yeah, there you go. It depends on how hey, it goes with KDE.
2: Hey, Chris. Yeah. Uh, when is TechSnap this week?
0: Uh, good question. It's going to be at 10 a.m. our time because of Thanksgiving. So we're going to do it on Thanksgiving Day. We're just going to do it early because <laughs> I'm a maniac. You'll be uh, cooking
5: All a turkey right, so mid 1 TechSnap. o'clock my
1: time. Now. Yeah, I'll be cooking. I'm on the East Coast.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have a turkey fryer going off to yeah. my side. I'll be frying a turkey, I wish. Oh, you could live stream? I would watch a live stream of Chris would Cooks you? of Turkey. Yeah. I, I should. I actually think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so, do we like it's not X, it's Wayland? Yeah, that's not bad. I do like the mixed it's desktop. It's sort of one. like an inferred de- uh, a reference to Fedora 25. Mm-hmm. I also like a mixed desktop feeling. So, jbtitles.com, why don't we give it uh, just a couple of more lawnmower seconds? So, when the lawnmower is done, we'll we'll pick our title.
8: Get it out of
5: here.
8: I think it's wasted effort.
5: Yep. It's winter now. No need for this moment. Then your
0: description is is not accurate. Now he's questioning me. Come on, Stallman. What's wrong with that? All right. So uh, by the end of The Lawnmower Man, our final victor is it's not X. It's, it's Wayland. Wayland by one boat. In one. back eight. Nicely done. One boat and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a title with a comma in it. Yeah, that's unusual. Unusual. Going to break everyone's everything. The internet was yep. never the same.